Good afternoon and welcome to this special program on the so-called Forgotten People of the Northern Cape. I'm Mulebukheng Sibidi. And I'm Stagazelo Zamini. Join us for the next hour as you journey across the Northern Cape and share with you some of the stories of the Forgotten People. They've named themselves the Forgotten People because across various communities of this province, there is one thing in common. Abject poverty, a lack of basic services and high rates of unemployment. We traveled more than a thousand kilometers visiting all corners of the province in an attempt to learn and understand the everyday challenges of the various communities. SAFM partnered with Gift of the Givers to bring some much-needed joy and inspiration to these communities. The Gift of the Givers team traveled with trucks loaded with food, groceries and special gifts to make this Christmas a bit more bearable. It was a humbling experience to view gratitude, particularly from the children. Hello, my name is Ethan. I'm nine years old. I'm having fun here on the Christmas party. Vandaag is my good day vandaag. And it's lekker om hier te wees. Ik doe alles hier bij bij de soccerveld. Ik is welkom dat jullie hier een ook iets sportgronde is en jullie met rustig wees en dat jullie dat jullie zo pakjes kan krijgen. En ik zeg voor die mensen wat voor die kinderkies vandaag die pakjes gaan komen geven. Ik is bij je blij en ons waardeer dat. Emily Thomas was the project manager for the outreach program and tells us why Gift of the Givers chose to visit the Northern Cape. We were looking at a project to do for our year-end program and we were looking at an area where we've never worked in before and we looked at the Namakwaland region that we call reaching out to the forgotten people. And we actually as a team went in there to go and see what it is that the people's needs are. And when we got there, we find that there is so much of unemployment in that area. Also, what we found is there's a lot of substance abuse in the area, which contributes to the poverty in those communities. Then our our project basically started before November in terms of when we had to go and take all our food products to the various areas to be distributed. So our trucks went um, for the whole month of October, November, our trucks went twice a week to go and deliver uh, food items to our warehouse that we established in, in Springbok. And when we look at Namakwaland area, we could really see it's the forgotten people because that is the people that are suffering in silence. You don't hear about the hunger pleas. You don't hear about the unemployment pleas. And for us, this was quite a challenge, though, to reach out to those people. Were you at any point surprised as to how deep these challenges had seeped into the communities? When we arrived in Amakwaland, the first thing you see is these beautiful homes. And you would think to yourself, you know what, there is no poverty. I cannot see poverty. But it's once you enter into those homes, once you start talking to people, that you realize that people are actually going hungry in those communities. Are there any stories that stand out for you? What I've experienced in not just one community, but in basically all the communities, we only had a total of 3,000 food parcels to be distributed. But so many people turned out in the hope of getting a food parcel. And for me, that was like the plight of the people, the people saying to us, you know what, we are also in need. But for me, that was a challenge at the end of the day to be able to accommodate or to feed 
or to hand out food parcels to as many people as possible. When we, for an example, went to an area called Good House, which is on the border of Namibia, people came to us asking us, don't you have meat? And I mean, when, you are, when people ask you for meat, it's like, no, we don't have meat. People don't eat meat there. They have meat maybe once a year, if once a year. So we were faced with like all these little requests from people, people asking for candles, small little items that we take for granted. And then, of course, at one point, the time was catching up with us. So at, at some point, we were delivering or distributing food parcels at like 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning. What would you like for the rest of South Africa to know about the people of the Northern Cape, to know about communities such as Good House, the communities such as Nababi and Ogi? It's called the forgotten people. People of South Africa are forgetting about there is an Amakwaland. There is people that are suffering in Amakwaland. Um, because it's easy for us to work in areas around us, I think it is a challenge for everybody to just go out there and go into Namakwaland and really go and spend time there and see what is the real need and how we can assist people in Namakwaland. Because Namakwaland, the people are suffering. The people are hungry. People need food in Namakwaland. The trip deeply affected Takazalo and me, as well as our fellow producers Buzilu Koto and Isak Duplessis. We viewed firsthand the difficulties people encountered as part of their daily lives. Like the residents of the small and isolated town of Goodhouse. They say they're tired of government's promise to provide services and are yet to reap the rewards of the country's 21-year-old democracy. Goodhouse is a former citrus farming town on the Orange River, about 100 kilometers northeast of Springbok. It has a population of just over 250 people, with less than 10% who are employed. Good House is named after the Khoi word Goodhaus, which means the path of sheep. However, trying to get to the town proved quite difficult. Goodhouse Road is the lone route which leads to the rural town from nearby Okeep Township. The towns are 100 kilometers apart. However, the corrugated and gravel road makes it a two-hour journey. Upon arrival, I met 23-year-old Mutlazi Ramangwane. He was born in Goodhouse and lists a number of challenges facing him and his family. Lack of infrastructure tops the list. The entire community shares three landline phones as the closest town with cell phone reception is more than 100 kilometers away. The telephone will die, so they will steal the cables, then you th- this is almost two months. Sometimes we lived without a telephone, so you must drive from here to a place we call it Volton for you to get network somewhere there. If you've got a World Cup, I think most of the time I do use Miss Oliphant's telephone, so uh, she never charged. It's been almost 20 years from now. These people just, just come and promise us a lot of things. The political parties, most of them, TA. ANC. They usually lie to these people. Pensioners Oma Lucy and Oma Elizabeth say while they sympathize with the plight of the youth, most of them are too lazy to make anything of their lives. But they claim the biggest disadvantage to their children came when the ANC came into power. With the old generation, we had a great life. We were always catered for. But the ANC does not care at all about one another. The young people get work, but they drink their jobs away. Men and women alike and their children are left to fend for themselves. 
there were lemon plantations here, but now everything is finished. Young people are saying that the old days were a drunken period, but it was a good time. We never abandoned each other. We were like brothers and sisters, but now we are like cat and mouse and cat and dog. The sentiments on corruption are shared by 73-year-old Joseph Oliphant, pointing to three rusted tractors parked outside his modest two-bedroom RDP house. Oliphant says corruption in the Namakoi local municipality has left many locals without access to the necessary equipment to make the farms productive again. There's no economic activity. I use these trucks to transport the locals, but the people who are able to use these trucks productively on the land are the ones who pay bribes. The equipment belongs to everyone who lives on the farm, but only a few are able to utilize it. Despite its numerous challenges, it's surprising to find that Goodhouse attracts settlers from far and wide. 21-year-old Elizna Zinobia Swalwe was born in Namibia, but says she cannot think of a better place to raise her children. There was a point when my mother did not have money to keep me in school, so I decided to leave school and started working for myself in 2013. That's how I found myself in Good House. Good House is a stable home. If you don't have something, you can ask maybe your neighbors or anything. You can ask a person here. In Namibia, if you are dropping out grade 10, they are not the life for yourself. You must have matric if you want to work there. Good House is just one of many communities in the Northern Cape who fear that the democratic government has forgotten them. It remains to be seen if they will be afforded the same developmental opportunities in order for them to have a chance of living a life with dignity. The one thing that struck our team was the extreme abuse of drugs and alcohol. We met 18-year-old mother of one, Andrea Lewis. She shares her concerns about her friends who used the Sasa grant to support the habit. I was at school and I didn't know that I was at school. I was at the clinic and I was at the hospital. I was at 12 at the time. I was at 12 at the time. I had to make a job for two years, but I had to go to school. Because I want to do something for myself, man. I want to be a, it's a doctor of that kind of thing. I want to do it for my child. Yeah, yes, yes, young girls, yeah. Are taking drugs of the children's money. I, I saw one lady who was at my school. She had a child, this child is six months old. She take that money to buy drugs with it. I'm feeling hurt because when she was my best friend at school, I think it's as you understand the way to her so what. And it's not to help you. Pat Clark can't make and have a floor with the kind of such a lineage. Her master leader said he panic is a lineage. 37-year-old Elna Herse is temporarily employed by government's expanded public works program. But it is not enough to make ends meet. That's his people who doesn't buy normally but many food. I just want to drink their money and waste it. They will buy maybe a hundred rand food or what, and other money goes for alcohol, drugs. 16, 17, 18, that's the age of the, of the children. Who are having children who get the Sasa money?
the drugs isn't okay. They manufacture it there. They make it okay. But the police can't do anything. High unemployment is a massive challenge among the youth in this province. Even though local government has a few expanded public works programs in place, it is not enough. We found that miscommunication between community members and local government seems to be a much bigger problem. The unemployment challenges of the Northern Cape date as far back as the early 1990s when the then flourishing mining industry began to crumble. Namakoi municipality mayor Johan van Weg explains. It did impact very negatively in terms of employment because our people now have the mining skills but they have to work in other parts of the country. So Namakoi is going through a very difficult situation and we are sitting with serious debt and credit situation because of that. We are sometimes as municipality we are struggling to pay our own accounts to bodies like ESCOM and Sediment Water Board and so on. 21-year-old Mutli Mangwane of the isolated and remote village of Goodhouse says the expanded public works programs are a waste of time as they are poorly coordinated. Environmental affairs is, is a project. So we've got a big problem with environmental affairs. People work almost for three months and then they will be waiting for three months so that they can get their own pay, their own money. Last year I worked almost eight months. I got my money after eight months. Then and that is why I'm not interested to work for them One wants something in your hand for December. 350 kilometers from Ramangwane in the town of Okip is 37-year-old Elna Kherse, whose opinion of the programs differs. There's nothing wrong with the payment. Every month we pay on time. But that 90 rent, it's all what bothers me. Because I have three children and I must cope with the 90 rent. You see, it's very hard. This time from the 15th of every month, we don't have any food more in the house. I'm a single mom. I just want to give my children a life that I didn't have. District manager in the Department of Roads and Public Works in the Namakwa district, Harold Roberts, explains how some of the EPWs work. The EPWP are structured with, in conjunction with the communities when the department are creating jobs. Each and every employee had to sign a contract with the department. On the Okip Concordia Road, we had about 20 women and 23 youth. On the Komagas Road, we are 19 women and 21 youth. And the Rayfontein Projects, about 23 women and 22 youth. And Fontenki, we are 30 women and 25 youth. We pay them 85 rand per day, and the supervisors are getting 100 rand. Roberts explains that some of the youths misunderstand the terms of employment. When we appoint these people on EPWP, they must have a SARS number. That is the important thing because the system where we appoint him and reject when he didn't have a SARS number. And sometimes these things create that people are not being paid because of SARS number. Some people are giving wrong banking details. It's always easy to blame the department or to blame the municipality. Mayor Van Weg confesses that miscommunication between local and national government poses a threat to such initiatives. Our own program as municipality, we are allocated on an annual basis just one million rand. So most of the other programs are done by other departments, in some cases it's national department, which make the communication not that easy.
But in the case of the environmental projects of the national departments, the town cleaning one that's in Goodhouse, they have appointed a implementing agent. And these people are getting the money from the department and they are responsible for the running of the project and the issue of payments. So as provincial government, but even as, as local municipality, they, they do work with us, but we don't have direct influence on the way in which the project is running. That was Namakoi Municipal Mayor Johannes van Weg. SAFM proudly partnered with Africa's major relief organization, Gift of the Givers. We spent five days traveling about 1,000 kilometers in the Northern Cape province, providing much-needed aid in the form of groceries and toiletries. Our trip also coincided with the 16 days of activism against gender violence. For one mother in the impoverished town of Nababib, the 16 days of activism campaign was a somber reminder of her daughter's brutal murder. 16-year-old Davi Ann went missing in June last year. Her body was found weeks later at a nearby guest house in the home of her killer. She was beaten beyond recognition. (laughs) Mary Twala will no longer hear the laughter of her daughter Davi Ann. It was a cold evening in June last year when Davi Ann went to a nearby store and never returned. After an extensive search, Mary was given the horrific news. On that specific day, on a Thursday morning, there was a light drizzle. A friend of my daughter's approached me in town and told me she knew the last person she was seen with. She had known all along, but her grandmother did not want him to get into trouble. I told her I did not care about that as long as I got her back, even if it's just her body. She gave a description of a man to the police and this led to his arrest. The man admitted to having picked up a girl and then killing that girl. The police then advised me not to expect a person, but rather a body instead. Following his confession, 23-year-old Johan Bontheis was arrested for the murder, but Davi N's body was yet to be found. And later, the stories began to surface, in true small-town fashion. People would come to me and say they had seen her here and there, adding the terrible details of things they suspected may have happened to her. It was a big load of rubbish. The story continued until the 3rd of August, when the man was brought to point out where she was. He led them to Jackalsvater and said they would find her there, and they did find her. I traveled to Kimberley to identify her. The policeman who was there advised that I not see her in that state, that it would be better for me to remember her as the beautiful girl she was because she had been beaten so badly that everything was out of place. At Vakalsvater, police found the beaten and sexually assaulted body, a sight too horrific to describe. A year later, Johan Bontheis was sentenced to 15 years in prison and is serving time at a correctional facility in Uppington. Mary says she is haunted daily by the many unanswered questions. I had a hole, an empty space, an emptiness, but now hatred came. Hatred for him because I don't understand why he would beat a child to death, a child that was not his. Nothing gave him the right. He says he didn't know her 
that she was just a girl he picked up. He blames her on the drugs and I can't argue with that because I did not walk around with her and I don't know what she got up to when I wasn't around. But still, nothing gave him the right to treat her that way, to beat her so badly that we couldn't even see her, not even at her funeral. We had to have a closed casket. By the last day of the year, we have seen her in the grave. We have Mary has been trying to piece together her life. It will be a while before she is able to face Bonthes, despite his attempts to talk to her on the day of his sentencing. That was when he asked for forgiveness, but my heart could not accept that. I just felt that if I accepted his apology, it would be a lie, and I made that clear. I still asked him why, because even though he says he took drugs, he still saw the girl laying there bleeding, and he came back to finish the job. I felt that he could have left her somewhere where we could find her. Forgiveness was not on my mind. That was Davi Ann's mother, Mary Twala. This story moved our team to the core. It was heartbreaking to hear many more similar stories on how violence had destroyed lives and family units. The people of this province feel neglected not only from a socio-economic point of view, but also feel like they are a political minority. Producer Isaac Duplessis has the story. Without its flowers, Namakwaland is a black and grey arid landscape. Even the born and bred of the area, like John Fortain, also known as Switchy of Okip, battles to describe his world. He says it is something that you have to experience by heart. As a good mood for iemand beskryf, soos en net, a persoon wat nou miskien nog nooit van Namakoland gesien het, moet nou nie sien as a land van melke hening, of as a prachtige blommeland. En hier glo ek a karwoken, moet kan oorleef, jy moet kan dors kree, jy moet kan honger kree, en jy moet kan sit, voet by stik, wat opa gesê. This world is made up of huge plains, sand, stone and mountainous areas. Switchy says the Namas have a word to describe his heartland. He says the word means things are not always nice. Suchi's Nama word also applies to the social conditions in Namakwaland. He says drugs and liquor are destroying Nama communities. Rooiprop, meaning red cap, is a cheap wine that is very popular in the area. 
most of the towns in Amakwaland became ghost towns after the withdrawal of the copper and diamond mines. The only successful businesses in these towns are liquor shops and churches. For only 8 rand you can purchase a bottle of Rooiprop that is distributed by Orange River Salis. The CEO of the Salis, Herman Kreiwagen, says they know that Rooiprop is causing a lot of social problems but that they are addressing it through social development programs. Drank misbruik en, en al die evels wat daarmee saamgaan is vir ons een groot probleem, jy weet. En vir ons kan dat probeer ons ook weer projekte op die vlak verheer, dat dat kennis neem van die gevare van drank misbruik. Jaloes bokkie, jaloes bokkie, smaar sal jy kry, ek sê jou, smaar sal jy kry, but it is not only drugs and liquor that are causing problems. Abuse against women and children is also a big phenomenon. And anonymous women of Nababib say there is nothing they can do about it. My man had dwellings gebruik, hy was op tuk, hy was op buttons, en hy was op dagha. En toe het my begin een klap en begin een rondtrap en skop, en ek het so nutteloos gevoel, ek het gevoel, ek het nie hulp, ek kan myself nie help nie, ek het die weerstand en om my sterker as ek, so ek moet nou maar terugstaan, laat hy nou maar slaan en maak net soos hy wil. Jy hang my aan die hakies draad, jy hang my aan die hakies draad, jy hang my aan die hakies draad, super sugar daddy om my los te maak. But Rooiprop is the big cause of everything going wrong in his community, says Reverend O. Riches of the Anglican Church in Aukip. Rank and Wellem is groot in Namakwaland, en vooral hier in Aukip ook. Dis, hoekom ek vroeger genoem het ook, dat in ons dorp, as jy dier die dorp kom, die eerste groep mense wat jy tegemoet sal kom, is een klop mans voor een waar, want drank is die enigste opsie. Rooiprop is die wereld vol. It seems as if life in Namakwaland is a permanent battle between liquor and religion. Although trying hard, the churches seem to lose. Richard says it is a big contradiction that is deepened by the fact that his community is being used and abused by mining companies and political parties. The Nama language is not even an official language, he says. The Northern Cape is South Africa's largest province with social challenges that resemble its size. This includes getting youth off drugs and into the workforce. But jobs are too few and inspiration very hard to find. The high unemployment rates and poor living conditions makes it difficult to hold on to hope. While some are on the verge of giving up, there are others who have found solace in the arts. Some art projects in the Northern Cape have rescued many young people from a life of juvenile delinquency, like this dance studio in Okeep, 785 kilometers west of the capital, Kimberley. 
Alfred Hinkle is the founder of the Garage Dance Studio. He earned himself the reputation of one of the country's leading choreographers. Hinkle has worked on developing new methods of training dancers who come from various backgrounds. His style has been influenced by interacting and observing other dance professionals over the years. Now he's returned home to Okip to give back to his community through dance. I was born in Nababe. It was always a dream to dance. I was never allowed to. So after the military training, I went to study dance at UCT School of Dance. It wasn't what I was looking for. I then came back to Namakulan and then started to teach. Then I started my first dance company. From here, we moved to Namibia, continued there. There we established the first uh, racially mixed dance company. I picked up a lot of flack here because I was working on the wrong side of the line. We read about the Jazz Art Dance Company, which was the first racially mixed dance company in Cape Town. And because of that, we moved back to Cape Town. I still wasn't finding what I wanted, what I was looking for, and so I decided the only way I can do this is to create what I want. After being here for a year, we realized this is what we've been prepared for our entire lives because we've come back here with an enormous amount of knowledge and skill. Now we're in a position where, with all the, the knowledge that we have, we can serve this province and this community in a very meaningful way. He adds that, with the help of like-minded organizations, he hopes to elevate dance to a higher platform in the Northern Cape. The funding agencies nationwide, that's the Lottish and Trust Fund and the National Arts Council, are focusing now on the marginalized province. Northern Cape is one of them, and wanting to support arts projects that happen in rural areas. So we're sitting in the right place, and we have the skill with which to do it. Anywhere I would have followed you Say something I'm giving up on you I watched Hinkle's dancers perform movement to a moving song about giving up I'm feeling so small It was over my head Nothing at all And I Will stumble and fall A few kilometers away from Henkel's garage dance studio I met 21-year-old Dimitri Schneider who dreams of performing his music in the city of gold, Johannesburg Times are tough sometimes, I mean, we get through it, uh, we enjoy life. Uh, lots of friendly people in this place. And lots of artists, lots of talented people. I've wanted to look for better opportunities, see, Josie. Uh, that's where the music industry is, I mean, that's, it's huge. Most artists are from there. There's no growth where I am from. Okay, opportunities are less, are less here. Further north, I encountered Sweetie Fontaine, an elderly man from Nababib who spent some time in prison. Music has played a major part in his life because it kept him sane. Fontaine sings about the struggles and beauty encountered in life. I remember 
when we used to say in a government yard in Rangetown and a danger tree make the fire light the many communities across the Northern Cape are fighting many battles to make ends meet and find a sense of purpose. But for a few, the odds has given them hope and a pastime. Then Georgie, make the fire light. See the wood burning through the night. Yeah, yeah. On that note, we end the special coverage on the lives of the Northern Cape's forgotten people. As we approach the local government elections in 2016, the people of the Northern Cape are demanding answers from political leaders as to why their province lacks when it comes to basic services. All they want is to live their life with dignity. We'd like to salute the hundreds and thousands of people in the Northern Cape who, against all odds, still live with hope. We'd also like to express our gratitude to the Gift of the Givers team. We conclude this special coverage with a song from Nababi President Switchy Fontaine. Thank you and goodbye. If you could see me now, one would say that you were rather wrong. The one who says to rather be alone. If you could only. If you could hear me now Singing somewhere through the lonely night Dreaming of the arms that hold me tight If you could only hear me now I've been too long in the wind and too long in the rain Taking any comfort that I can Looking back at longing for Freedom of my chains I'm lying in your loving arms again